This is Musing with Sari, and today we're talking to Dr. David Griffin again. And today we're going to talk a little bit about what are you doing with your kids? It's kind of scary to go to the dentist. It might even be more scary for the patients to go to the orthodontist, and the parents might be a little scared too because you don't know what to expect. So he's going to help us diffuse a little bit of that fear. So, doctor, tell us a little bit about like when should a child come and see you? I think the best age for a child to be seen by an orthodontist is probably around seven years old. Um, that's that's a good time to catch things before they become a problem. And not all seven-year-olds, though, need treatment, right? But it's good to get them in just to take a peek at what's going on and maybe even let mom and dad know that there's nothing is good or give them an idea of what they're looking at for the future. Right, right. Uh, many times things on the surface look a lot worse than they really are. Um, and then there are the counter to that, to that is that uh, things may look perfectly normal on the surface and there are things going on underneath that we can't see. And sometimes these things are not detected by your general dentist or perhaps your pediatric dentist. And I feel sort of like getting a kid in a chair in your office or any ortho office gives them a little different view of going to a doctor that's going to work in their mouth because you're not as in their face with it. There's some things that you're doing that are, you know, maybe you're taking a scan, maybe you're taking a picture, maybe you're taking an x-ray, but you're not doing the same things there at the dentist where they're scaling your teeth or, you know, they're kind of like pushing the limit of a child's patience or understanding. Right. I think many people have the, uh, the old, here comes the guy with the needle spear, or is this going to hurt? Or how long is this going to take? And um, we have to reassure people that we, we don't use needles and we're going to make things go as quickly and painlessly as possible. Do you work with kids that have special needs? Special needs, I would say we have quite a few that have ADD or ADHD that are on the autism spectrum. That's probably about as uh, involved as I've ever gotten. What special things do you do in the office for kids with needs? And are you asking, are you pre-screening parents to find out if there are those needs before they come in and see you so that you can prepare for it? Certainly the, uh, the medical history will give us an idea of whether they're on some sort of medication. And, and many times parents are very forthcoming with, with the information, particularly those parents who have children with autism. The parent will tell me, I will, I'll ask the parent for an autistic child, per se, because I know they have sensory uh, input issues, uh, being touched, having things in their mouth, so on and so forth. So we'll have that short discussion, and I'll ask the parent, you know, how does, how does your child respond normally? And they'll tell me, and, and I will follow suit appropriately. Does it change your treatment plan? It may change treatment timing. You may have to see a child back, what we call observation, recall appointments, just so they kind of become more familiar with us and more comfortable in the setting and, and with us. 
before we'll we'll start talking appliances and stuff like that. Do you think because you're so relatable, sometimes kids are better at being compliant because you're relatable and your office does such a good job educating them on oral health just in general, besides what's going on with the trying to perfect the smile? Yeah, I definitely think that uh, that has something to do with it. Um, I try to approach a child as though they were my own child and they could be difficult as well, but I'm trying to relate to them on a level that they can understand. So coming to see you at seven, even if you have a child that you think has no issues, getting them a Panorax, getting a scan, introducing yourself to them, introducing themselves to your office, is that helpful lifelong for these kids in terms of overall oral health and fear of going to the dentist just in general, because statistically 50% of all people have an actual fear of going to the dentist. Right. Right. And that's, where does that fear come from? We ask ourselves, it, it, it oftentimes comes from our parents who plant those little seeds in our heads that, Oh my gosh, you're going to get a shot and then he's going to get out his drill and then he's going to, it's going to hurt. And I always cringe. And I have heard parents say that right to their child while I'm standing there in the room. I have to re reassure them, no, no, no. What we're going to do here today, we're just talking and looking. The sharpest thing that you're going to feel in your mouth will be my middle finger or my index finger or my thumb. Trying to de decipher right. what's going on. Right. When you're doing treatment on children, is it the same? Are you looking for the same things that you're looking for in an adult as you are a child or in children? Because they're most often is probably mixed dentition. Are you looking for, you know, abnormalities, not just in tooth, but like my daughter, her second molars are already abnormal. So now I'm like hyper aware of, oh, my God, I've got a child who's got a problem. Are you looking at some of that stuff? Yes, yeah. we're looking at uh, the main things I'm looking for are normal growth and development of the jaws, normal eruption patterns, uh, are all the teeth present, both adults and, uh, and deciduous or primary teeth, I'm looking for traumatic type of bite relationships, um, cross bite relationships, deep bite relationships, open bites, bad habits things of that nature, something that, uh, and oftentimes I'll tell a parent that we are only going to be focusing on the main problem. You know, there may be secondary problems which can be addressed in the future, but we wanna, we wanna keep things short and simple. We wanna be in and out, be done, so that we can get on with life. One of the things I think parents don't really understand too is you're like a second look you're already giving them sort of, you know, a second opinion of what's going on. Not that there's a problem with the teeth, but maybe that there's a problem in their development. What do you mean by second look, Sarah? Well, you're oftentimes doing like a Panorex. Yes. So you're able to see things that maybe a regular dentist isn't seeing with bite wing x-rays. Right. Expand on that. Like, have you ever seen something where 
you found something in a patient only could have been seen on a panorex. Right, right. The, the number one thing that I've seen are impacted canine teeth that uh, in, say, a 14 or 15-year-old should have been noted probably closer to age 11, 10, 11, or maybe even earlier where something like that, there are simple remedies that can be done to encourage those teeth to not impact. What would that be? Uh, sometimes that involves uh, a fixed expander appliance. Sometimes that involves uh, Invisalign first appliances. Uh, sometimes that in simply involves removing some primary teeth at uh, a predetermined sort of time so that it helps the other teeth begin to erupt and, and create room for the tooth that's impacted. Do you ever see things, I know it's a hot topic right now, uh, tongue ties or phrenectomies or things that you see that may be calling, causing a child lisping, not sleeping, that sort of stuff mm. when they see you? Or is that just like next level? Next level. Next. <laughs> uh, you know, there's a lot of discussion in the field nowadays about children who snore and have sleep apnea and you need to get in and you need to expand these children's airways uh, by expanding their upper jaw. I'm not convinced that that may have benefit in, in, a, in a small number of people, but I don't think it has benefit for a vast majority. Um, they say that uh, children grind their teeth. I've heard this said, children that grind their teeth have a sleep apnea problem. Well, how do you know? I don't know. Do you do a sleep study on a seven-year-old or do you just do a, a comb beam scan, get a three-dimensional picture, determine that the airway is too small, and then say, okay, now you got to have this, this procedure done to widen your upper jaw so you can sleep better. Have you seen any of that in your practice, though, where you've seen a child come in with a narrow palate or a narrow jaw and you've expanded them and they're... Their oxygen levels are better. Their I, sleep's no, better. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't you wouldn't know. know. It's no. it's it's still next level. Yeah. So getting them in at seven, having them get a Panorex. Yep. Having them get scanned, having a better idea of what kind of treatment they're looking for in the future, is beneficial to the child for treatment planning, but also beneficial, I think, to the parents. Because I think it is really a scary thing going to the orthodontist. You don't know what you're going to, you don't know what to expect. You don't know if your insurance is going to cover it. You don't know how much money it's going to cost you. It's always, you know, there's a lot of question marks. How bad is it? What am I going to learn that I don't want to learn? Right, right. Fear of the unknown. So are there ways that you educate parents and patients that gives them more confidence in getting it done coming back, starting treatment, because long-term, there is lots of research that long-term getting ortho is very good for your teeth because they match up and you don't have problems down the road and all kinds of things like that. Yes, uh, I believe that parents um, oftentimes will, well, let me back up and say that I will, we'll look at the x-rays together, we'll look at the photos together. I'll explain what I feel is the problem, the immediate problem, and whether or not it needs it, it is an urgent sort of uh, situation or whether or not it's something that perhaps could be addressed at a later date. 
when the child has uh, grown and developed more. And some children just aren't ready for anything. So you got to kind of pack them away and uh, have them come back and see how they're doing and, and, and determine when they are mentally, if not dentally ready. Is there a dentally ready time or is it just whenever? Whatever the situation calls situation for. is different for every kid. Yep. All right. Well, we learned a lot and getting your kids in at seven. Who is the uh, who is the mythic mythological character for Crestus? Wasn't he the guy for who uh, had the uh, the inn and uh, you came in? And you were too tall and you didn't fit in his beds. You you cut your legs off. Yep. Make you fit in that bed. Yeah. Or if you were too short, he'd stretch you. you know, yeah. we, we don't do that. We don't pra practice procrustus. Procrustus. <laughs> no, you practice, you know, proactive. Yeah. And I think it's proactive as a parent to get in and know if, you know, what's going on with the teeth. And it takes a lot of the fear out of not just for the parents, what's it going to cost, but it takes a lot of fear out of the kids. Meet, you know, sometimes it's just nice to nice to have a meet and greet with the doctor and see that he's not this scary person. The other thing I want to say that's really unique about what you do is you're very available to people. You have lots of communication systems in your office and you want to educate people on what exactly you're doing and make them feel comfortable with the process of the whole orthodontic treatment for not just them, but for their kids. And I think the sooner you wrap your head around that as a parent, the better it is for your kids. That's right. Thank you for coming today. Thank you for enlightening us. Thank you for having me.